Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include New York, New York. My interview with ATM Mortgage Advisors Jeff Tarbell on a day in the life of a broker. And what we learned from last week's batch of economic data. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Milestones. Giving homeowners an all-inclusive homeownership experience, including home value and equity monitoring, home maintenance reminders on how-to articles, cloud-based document storage, one-click access to hire professionals for various projects around the home, and much more. To learn more, visit milestones.ai. Today I'm in Manhattan, having flown into one of the nicer malls I've ever walked through, aka LaGuardia Airport, which is proof that $8 billion goes a long way. No, I'm not here to avoid the terrible tornadoes that have hit our nation, and I didn't use Rocket's new pro-home buying credit card to book the flight. Nor am I here regarding Donald Trump's indictment by a Manhattan grand jury, although he's expected to come to New York today to be arraigned in a criminal court tomorrow. I certainly didn't come to spend $8 on a pack of Oreo cookies or $30 on pasta with tomato sauce, although I am. I could say that I was scouting restaurants for the NBA's secondary conference next month, but I'm not. In fact, I can't think of any really logical reason to come here, other than I wanted to be able to say I'd seen Bruce Springsteen play Madison Square Garden with my dad, which was a fine show and a fine venue indeed. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show ATM Mortgage Advisors Jeff Tarbell, whose mortgage background includes ownership, being a chairman on a board, oversight of secondary relationships, and hedging. He's also been involved in servicing, origination, and operations. His skill set and background allow effective communication from the entry employee in the field to the CEO. He's intricately familiar with the processes related to developing and building homes, and I wanted to talk to him about the day in the life of a broker. How did you get into the business? So that was uh, 30 years ago, and I uh, started in, in the business, in the real estate business as a land developer. Things got really tough in that, in that market. Uh, my dad at the time was my business partner, and he said, you should meet this guy over here. He owns a mortgage company. Seems like that might be a, a good a good business. And um, rates had just dropped back then from like 10% to four. So I went in there, sat at a desk. The guy said, answer the phone, quote him this rate, get their, get, get an application over the phone if you can, and move on to the next one. And that was the extent of my training. And we all know it's a tough time right now in the mortgage industry. You've gone through several market cycles over those 30 years. So I, I think it, it's probably good to ask you, what does it take to carve out business in, in this environment or any tough environment or tough market cycle in the mortgage industry? We've seen a few of these over the years, and, and this one was probably overdue. Um, you know, and the longer the longer that you have those long, long runs, the more painful it is when, when it comes to an end, and everybody can attest to that right now. So I think a lot of the people in our industry didn't grow up uh, learning how to um, get out and market themselves, get out and um, meet people, meet, you know, potential lead sources, referral sources. They just kind of sat back and took phone calls for refinances, which is fine. I mean, you, you know, you grab the low hanging fruit when you can. But now this, this is a real job and, and it's tough because the real estate community themselves, which is probably one of the number one lead sources for our industry, they're struggling, uh, they're desperate. Um, and so they're looking for ways to, to create business too. So it, it's very, very difficult right now. You you have to go back, you know, just to, to the basics of 
Um, a, a good friend of mine, Kevin Knebel, always talks about people will do business with people they like, know, and trust. And so you have to go back to setting those kind of parameters with people, not trying to sell them on a two-one arm or or some some other kind of product. Just talk about do you like these people? Do they know you? And do they trust you? And if that's if you can build that, it's a slow burn, but that's where you start. And it doesn't really matter who. It could be realtors, financial planners, attorneys, CPAs, friends and family. But you have to get back to the basics of just getting people to know what you do and trust you. And that business will build, but it will not build overnight. And that's the hard part. That's a great point. And actually, I, I spoke with an LO several weeks ago on this podcast. And I was telling him when I ran a lock desk, I was I was getting besieged by my sales staff going, we're getting beat up on rate. We're getting beat up on rate. But when I went to find a mortgage for myself, I went with a company that that I knew and trusted the people that worked there. And I didn't shop around for rates. So it's it's interesting to see those two sides of the coin. In that same vein, though, when I was running a lock desk, we'd have whatever rates. And my sales staff would come to me and say, this borrower is getting a quarter or three-eighths lower at a private bank. We, we can't match that. What what do we do? And And I guess I want to ask you, how do you compete when you might not be able to match the rates of some other lenders? Well, you start your own company like I did and you become a broker. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I mean, that's that's really, you know, after um, starting in the business as a broker, you know, going into the mortgage banking, selling our mortgage bank to a bigger mortgage bank, you know, and doing all of that for many, many years, you know, it became very clear to, to me and to a lot of us, you know, a couple of years ago that this model probably needs to be tweaked a little bit and you know the your big banks aren't going to tweak anything they they're going to stick to whatever they know your your independent mortgage banks you know are are being forced now into getting more creative and getting skinnier um, and but i think that that's why you're seeing a, a big move to the to the broker side and um i think that what i discovered the hard way is that it's it's great to be known in your community. It's great to su support your realtors, kids' soccer team. I mean, all those things are great, and they will probably help you get phone calls. But at the end of the day, you have to be within striking distance of what people think they can find somewhere else on the internet, you know, wh wherever. You have to be close enough. Um, and and I think that that's what you're starting to see. You know, in some cases, to the push to the broker side is that that world has gotten their act together. You know, prominently pushed by UWM, by Rocket, and these wholesale lenders. So their service levels have come up, uh, and their pricing is reasonable. And and LO Comp has to be adjusted. I mean, these originators, myself included, have to understand that people, you know, they want a good price, and that, that and that means you're going to have to be skinnier on on what you make on a deal. And and so all these things combine um, together. But I think that that's why you're seeing such massive shifts in people moving around now is to try to find, you know, what is that level ground where I can still make a decent living, be competitive and give good service. And that's, that's what your people, that's the shuffle that's going on right now. So maybe a more nuanced way to ask that question. And I'm kind of going to kind of grill you here would be how does one broker differentiate themselves from another rather than saying, we're just going to change, I'm changing channels from, from retail channel to the wholesale channel or whatever it might be. How, how can an, a broker differentiate themselves or how, or how does a company differentiate themselves? Yeah. Well, that's the magic ticket, right? You have to figure out what is it about <laughs> me that, 
that looks, smells, and feels different than the, than the three brokers down the street. And I think it, 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 at the end of the day, it comes back to our, our comment just a few minutes ago, which is, who are those people, you know, those referral sources of yours, you know, who are those that have come to know you, come to know your ability to, to successfully close an escrow on time, to live up to what the expectations that you've put out. Um, and, and they know you, they trust you. Um, you become, you know, I, I think if you're not really a trusted advisor for these people and for the borrowing community, you're in trouble because you're not going to get every deal that calls in. Um, somebody might call in with a better deal. And if you're not willing to tell them that is a really good deal, you probably should just go with that. And I appreciate you look, you know, thinking about me. Those are the things that build trust uh, with people and your referral sources. And I've gotten miles and miles ahead by telling people what they had didn't need to be changed or what, or the offer they had from somebody else was a good offer. I've gotten more mileage out of that from my referral sources than ever trying to convince somebody just to use me because they happen to call. That's a hard lesson. And when you're hungry and you're not making loans, that's a super hard lesson to learn. But you have to learn it. You have to follow it. And once you become that trusted advisor, someone who they can count on you, they know you're there, you'll do what you say you can do. Your rates are within within striking distance of everybody else. That's a winning formula. You're not going to get all of them. You just need to find more loans and close the ones you can. So beyond it being a relationship-based business and, and people going with who they trust, what have you learned about borrowers during your time as an LO and as a broker? Excuse me. Yeah, this this is I, I mean, borrowers generally think they know more than they do. <laughs> they want to go back to their friends and family and say they got a better rate than their friends and family did. They feel they're obligated to. I mean, every every piece of the world knowledge that's known to the entire world is on your phone, right? So they feel like they they must strike out and prove that they can find a better deal, you know, on their own. And a lot of times to their own detriment, um, you know, they, they delay, they, they hum and haw and they, they, they miss key opportunities. So, um, and it's, it, it's funny because it varies by, it varies by community and by, by state. Um, I, you know, I grew up in the business in Northern California, the Sacramento market, uh, a lot of people, you know, that work for the government and for um, had come in from all over the place, kind of a really good mixing pot. And I always thought that that market was so unique. I thought if you could make it there, because those people are such d demanding shoppers and they just they're so untrusting that uh, and maybe everybody listening to this says, well, that's my market, too. But um, it's 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 hard to, to gain uh, their trust and to get them to commit uh, to doing something because they always just feel like there's just one more you know, um, pink elephant out there, the one more deal, they just, they just got to turn one more, one more stone over and they'll find even a better deal. And it, that's, that's a hard part. And that's, that's, I find that very common, particularly right now. I want to close by asking you to take us inside a day in the life of a broker after you have your morning coffee and sit down at your desk, of course. You know, everybody's probably a little different in our, in our instance. Um, you know, we generally have a, to give you an idea right now, um, we probably have 15 or 20 uh, pre-approved clients from all price ranges, from 300,000 to a million three that are out shopping for homes. And it's amazing how how little inventory that there is out there still. And that's, that's the big challenge. So usually it involves checking in with them, checking with the realtors, what can we do? You know, if rates make a dramatic movement up or down, hey, did that affect, you know, where you are on the qualification scale? So try, you know, try to clear through those. Where are we at on loans that are 
in the pipeline that are you know moving toward closing you know th those kind of what are those conditions looking like um and then generally you know afternoon it's it's reaching out to um some of your referral sources you know if there's been you know any major changes particularly this week is you know well, every week right now is is that way but um updating them on what's been happening how you know how can i help you um so it's just kind of keeping a number of fires going a little bit and um you know, and then a little bit of hope and prayer that, you know, that the Fed will make up their mind what they want to do when they grow up and, and and some sellers will decide to put their house on the market. And and um, so right now it's it's if you're not turning a bunch of different stones over, you're probably not going too far because it's, it's it is really tough right now. Very well said, Jeff. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy day to talk to me. I appreciate it and uh, wish you the best of luck. All right, Robbie. Have a good day. Thank you. To sum up last week, it was mostly calm following a couple weeks of uncertainty as a result of several bank failures. In testimony to Congress, Fed Vice Chair for Supervision Barr echoed Jerome Powell's sentiment that the banking system is sound and that the Fed is committed to financial stability. Despite the containment further failures, credit conditions will likely be tighter for the foreseeable future, and as a result will put downward pressure on economic growth. Meanwhile, consumers continue to spend to start the year. January's real spending increase was revised up from 1.1 to 1.5%, though there was a slight pullback in February as spending declined 0.1%. We also learned that fourth quarter real GDP was revised down slightly to 2.6% annualized in the final estimate. Residential investment plummeted 25.9% in the quarter, but on a positive note, the GDP price index was its lowest since the fourth quarter of 2020 at 3.9%. Consumer confidence rose unexpectedly, despite the survey being conducted after the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. On the inflation front, since that is what the Federal Reserve cares about, real disposable income increased 0.2% in February, on the heels of a 1.5% increase in January. The savings rate rose slightly to 4.6%, which is off the lows set last year, but still below the pre-pandemic average of 7 to 9%. Though the stock market will be closed for Good Friday, the bond market isn't, and this week's on-farm payrolls report will likely be the main attention grabber as the next Fed meeting will occur prior to April's release. A strong jobs number, combined with persistently higher than desired inflation, will make it hard to justify not raising rates one more time following the May meeting. Q2 and April kick off with the final March S&P Global Manufacturing, PMI, later this morning, followed by ISM Manufacturing PMI for March, construction spending for February, and remarks from Fed Governor Cook. We begin the week with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged from Friday, and the 10-year yielding 3.50 after closing last week at 3.49%, with the two-year at 4.09%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. When my wife and I arrived at the car dealership to pick up our car after a service, we were told the keys had been locked in it. We went to the service department and found a mechanic working feverishly to unlock the driver's side door. As I watched from the passenger side, I instinctively tried the door handle and discovered that it was unlocked. Hey, I announced to the technician, it's open. To which he replied, I know, I already did that side. When you transcribed that before you said, I didn't laugh at this, I'm still using it. Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Milestones. Giving homeowners an all-inclusive homeownership experience including home value and equity monitoring, home maintenance reminders and how-to articles, cloud-based document storage, 
one-click access to hire professionals for various projects around the home, and much more. To learn more, visit milestones.ai. about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.